One of the aspects of Shvaris which is brought in the place game is to read Megillus Rus. There are a number of reasons why it is an appropriate topic to read on Shvaris. I'm going to focus today on one of them. We know that Klai Yisrael collectively accepted the Torah on Shvaris. And Rus tells us the story of the individual who accepted the Torah and became a Giyaris. She converted to Yiddishkeit. For no ulterior motive, she was a daughter of a king and she had nothing she knew physical to gain by converting. But nevertheless, out of her love for Hashem and for her, from her rotten to do what's right. She made the journey and became not just a Giyaris, but also the mother of all royalty of the Jewish people. And the Gemara in the Yavamas and Dafim Zayn learns from the story of Rus, the process of Gerus. And one of the, the prerequisites for becoming a Ger is we want to make sure that the Ger is sincere. And therefore, the Bastin has to try and dissuade the Ger. Show them that it's not such a simple move. That there's a lot of ramifications which, pay, which rest in the decision to become a Jew. To make sure that they're really sincere in their intent. We learn it from the discussion of Nomi. When she saw Rus was determined to follow her. So the Gemara understands the Pasuk. And interprets it. In a way that Nomi was trying to warn Rus of the ramifications of the decision of becoming a Gyaris. And then the Pasuk is Rus's response. Now it's very indicative of what Nomi chooses to bring as reasons for Rus to consider or reconsider her decision. Even though the Gemara says we have to idea some of the mitzvahs and some of the things which are incumbent on a Ger. But it's very strange the examples Nomi gives. Let's look at the Sogya together and then we can ask the questions on it. So first thing, Nomi says to Rus, you should know that by becoming a Giyaris, you're going to get bound by the halakhas of Tchum Shabbos. There's a limit to how far a person can go on Shabbos. And Rus says, that doesn't faze me. Where you walk, I'll walk. And Nomi says to Rus, you should know by becoming a Gyaris, there's dilim of Yichud. You can't put yourself into seclusion, a man with a woman or a woman with a man. And Rus's answer, Bashaytaluni Alin, where you sleep, I'll sleep. And then Nomi says, You know that by being Yidin, you'll be Mikhaev yourself in 613 mitzvahs. And Rus says, Amei your nation is mine. And Naomi says, but you know there's an Isra of a desire. And Rus says, that's not a problem. your God is my God. And then Naomi says, do you know that within the Jewish system there's a basin? And the basin can inflict four, times of cap- four types of capital punishments for Averis. 
It's not all about uh, just loving and giving. There's there's a commitment and there's punishment. And Rus says, Bashe Tomusi Yamus. I'll die. And Amis is not just dying. A person who's a Russia gets buried in a separate base like first. Even, not even buried as part of everybody else. They set it apart as being different, as being worse. And Ruth says, Vasham Kovar, I'll I'll be buried there, I don't mind. And at that stage Nomi decides that Ruth is really sincere and she takes her with her to Eretz Yehuda to become a Gears. The Mephoshim asks three questions on this dialogue. And I want to add a question of mine. The Mephoshim asks, Why in the world did Nomi start with Dinim of Tchum Shabbos and Yichud, which are probably only the Rabbanans? Especially if she's like, Arthur's going to say, we commanded in 613 mitzvahs. That covers everything. And the second question they ask is once Nom has already said we commanded in 613 mitzvahs. So why go back to Avodah and say also we don't understand Avodah Zarah? That's the basic. Not only is that a basic, it's something that even the Goyim were commanded. It's one of the seven mitzvahs from Those are the questions Mufashim asked. But I have another question. It disturbs me a lot. Think for a second, Rabbi Sa. Think if you were the girl and you would be being you know, cautioned by the best in of the what's involved in becoming Jewish. And the best in would tell you, you should know that now that you're becoming Jewish, the Torah's laws apply to you. And if that's the case, there are certain things which if you're going to transgress, you're going to get killed by Basin. There are four different kinds of death penalties. How would you answer? I imagine the way you would answer is you would say, that's okay, I'm going to avoid those avarice. I'm going to make sure not to be nechshal in them. And if the person the Basin would tell you, you should know that there's some crimes which are so bad, you won't even get buried with the rest of the Jewish people. You'll get buried in a different cemetery. So I assume the way you would answer, I would answer is, okay, I'll be very careful not to do those avarice. You've warned me and I'm going to be careful. And if that's the case, Rus's answer is beyond strange. Nomi says that you should know that their form is based in, and Rus says, okay, so I'll die. And the Nami says, did you know there's a Besak for a shame? And Rosa's answer okay, so I'll be buried there. What does that mean to mean? No, you don't want to be buried there. You don't want to be the Russia. What's he trying to say? So I want to share an idea with you. And that is, of course, Chazal tell us that we have to make sure that a Gera wants to convert is genuine. That the motivation is pure but also that they're going to be able to do what it requires to be a Jew. There's an element of testing the guy to see maybe he has some other ulterior motive in becoming Jewish, but there's something else as well, and that is, we want to know that the guy is able to keep what the Torah requires of them. To Megayah somebody, and then put them in a situation where they're chayv in the mitzvahs, 
and they aren't going to be able to fulfill the mitzvahs, is not doing them a service. And therefore part of the examination of the ger is for us to feel, is he going to be able, is she going to be able to live up to what the Torah wants from them? That's understood. But based on that principle, so I understand in this passage there's something else as well. And that is, if that's the case, one has to look at the particular candidate and think, where are the areas that it's going to be difficult for them? Where are the areas that they likely to struggle to keep the Torah? And those are the places where I'm going to have to make sure beforehand that they're going to be steadfast, that they're going to be true to what the Torah wants. And therefore, if we're talking about Rus, Rus was a princess of Moab. And therefore we understand that she has the Midas and she has the nature of Moab. And where are the places where Moab, as a nation, is going to struggle to keep the halacha? That's what Nami wants to make sure Rus is going to be able to do. And that's why the points she highlights are those points where she felt that Rus as a Moyabi is going to be challenged. So let's learn together the Sugi of Moab. Right from the beginning. How the nation of Moab came into being. We know it began when Lot ran with his two daughters from Stom. And let's look at the Pasuk. They were being pulled out of Stom by the Malachim. Stom is about to be destroyed behind their backs. And, Rus, and Lot says to the Malach, he says, there's a city here, Tsar. It's not far away. Please let us run to Tsar and take refuge there. And the Malach agrees. He says, run to Tsar. You'll be protected in Tsar. So Lot escapes Stam and the inferno which happens there, he runs to Tsar. And in the next passage we find that Lot's in the mountains hiding in a cave with his two daughters. And because they were all by themselves and they had experienced the tremendous conflagration of Stam behind their backs, his daughters think there's no one else in the world. They're the only survivors. And we think this is what happened. They went to Tsar. Tsar was a city. How did they end up in a cave in the mountains? And the answer is, it's true they first went to Tsar. But Lot didn't feel safe in Tsar. And therefore he leaves Tsar and he runs to the mountains. And he finds a cave for him and his two daughters to hide. And because of that they think, that this is the end of humanity. It's only the three of us surviving. And that's a situation which lends itself to the next part. About how the children of um, the children of these two daughters, Amun and Moab, were born. Through the Avera which understood. And therefore, if we're looking at the initial, so to speak, causes of what brought the nation of Moab into existence, there were two. The first one is, Lot didn't remain where the Malach told him to go to. 
he should have stayed where the Malach told him to be staying so. And he decided he's going to run from Tsar and go hide in a cave. That was the first character weakness upon once, which was embedded into the very making of life. And that is the ability to stay where you're told to stay, to look to run somewhere else. And how is Nomi going to translate that into halacha? Is Rus up to changing that character flow in Moab? With Fakdinan at Chum Shabbos. There's halacha, we can't go beyond a certain limit. We have to stay where we're told to stay. And the second point, what brought to the, like we said, the creation of Moab and Ammon, was the fact that Elohim was in Yechud in Makkah with his two daughters. And that's the second thing Nami tells us. We warned against the Isra of Yechud. That was our first experience with Moab. How the nation came into being. Then we have our second encounter with Moab in the Torah. And it was the Benois Moab. It was the Benois Moab who marshaled the Jewish people in Avodah of Balpar. They were the ones who seduced the Jewish people to serve Avodah They were the ones who brought Bilam to curse us. They tried to destroy the Jewish people. And the Torah delineates the, parish, the punishment for Moab more severe than any other nation. More severe than Mitzrayim, more severe than Esau. And the Torah says, mm-hmm. A descendant of Ammon and Moab can never ever join the Jewish people. Forever. Because of two things. The one is the Averi that were machshal you in. That's serious. That's the way desire. And the second point. They didn't bring you food. They didn't offer you water. I think maybe it shows a lack on their part. Maybe they should have been more giving. They should have had more chesed. But is that so serious a fault that because of that they can never join the Jewish people? And the answer is yes. Any Avera is that serious. And if it shows a certain weakness in a person that they're unable to to keep a certain matter, that's the reason not to join the Jewish people. And therefore, the second round of questions, Nami says to Rus, are you able to detach yourself from Moab? The one is from Avodazar. And the second, Mephaktinu Natariyag Mitzvahs. And you should know all 630 Mitzvahs, each in their own right, if a person feels they are unable to do this Mitzvah, just like if a Moab is unable to do chesed, then they don't be deserve to be part of the Jewish people. Every mitzvah. If a person feels that they're not doing this mitzvah, that's not something they're willing to accept, 
then they're not allowed to be part of the Jewish people. And Rabbi Yonah writes this in Shari Tshuva. He says, it's true, people can make mistakes. And sometimes people have various tendencies or various drives, and they do have errors. But if a person accepts and decides for himself, there's a certain mitzvah avera, which I'm not, I don't feel obligated to. It's something I'm not able to keep. You can't become a Jew. He's already broken the yoke of Shammai. And therefore, Noemi says to Rus, the history of Moab has these two faults that as the result of that, Moab was disqualified from being part of the Jewish people. Do you feel you can rise above these two things? The tendency of Avodah and the ability to accept and fulfill all the mitzvahs of the Torah. And Rus is still holding strong. And now we come to the next round of, next time we meet Moab and Tanakh. Two very interesting stories. They both need explanation. The first one is in Shmuel Beis Parakhas, and it's talking about the time when David and Melech conquers Moab. And normally, when a country is conquered, so maybe the warriors or the maybe the king are put to death and the rest of the country is made into servants. They, they become a vassal state and they under the dominion of the victorious army. That's what normally happens. But when David conquers Moab, so he does a very strange thing. The Prophet tells us he took a rope of a certain size to measure with and he made all the men of Moab lay down. And then he measured with the rope. And one rope's measure. And the second time he measured the rope, all got killed. The third one, he left alive. And therefore, basically, he killed two-thirds of the people of Moab. But randomly. Not the ones who had done something wrong. Not the ones who has had some reason to, to consider them to be dangerous or enemies. No. Just to lie everybody down and randomly measure off. One rope, one length of rope, the second one gets killed, the third one stays alive. It sounds like a very unusual punishment. What was the point of it? And the second story. The second story is much later on in the time of Elisha. When the king of Shaphat teamed together with the king of Israel to go and fight Moab, and they come to Elisha. And Elisha tells them, you're going to be victorious against Moab, but I'm giving you a mitzvah. And the mitzvah Elisha gave them was when you attack Moab, you're going to destroy Moab. Not just the people. You're going to destroy the place. You're going to chop down all the trees. You're going to ruin all the fields. You're going to block up all the wells. And this is against the Torah. The Torah says when you go to battle, don't destroy the trees. They aren't the enemy. Don't destroy the place. But Elisha says, as a Novi, I'm giving you a Hiroz, show a specific instruction that when you attack Moab, you're going to destroy the place. You're going to render Moab as an infertile land. You're going to chop down all the trees. 
and fill in all the wells. Why would this be necessary? So there's the side of here. And that's the next point that Nami is telling us. And she's saying, you know you're joining the Jewish people. The Jewish people are eventually going to attack Moab. What sympathies do you still have for your, so to speak, your homeland? From the people where you grew up? If and when the Jewish people are going to turn against Moab, where will your loyalties lie? And there's two stages. The first one, she says, you should know, the Jews have a concept of a capital punishment. Based in, will carry a capital punishment against Bale Avera, whatever it's going to be. But there's going to be a din against Moab of killing Moab too. And as we spoke of, when David Amalek killed two thirds of the population of Moab. And this is the reply to that is Bashetamus I would rather die as part of the Jewish people than remain with Moab and die there. So of course you didn't mean to say I'm going to be over on the mitzvahs based in which a Machai a person misses. But if you tell me what's going to happen to Moab is that they're going to get killed by Israel. So I'd rather, I would rather, I would rather be a part of the Kai Yisrael, even if it means dying as part of Kai Yisrael, rather than dying as part of Moab. And the same on the second point. Nomi says, there's a concept of how a person gets buried. Even after they died, but if someone's a Russia, they put, a, they set aside, they put in a separate place like Paris. This was the punishment Moab got. Normally, when one destroys a country and kills the people, but leave a place. There's nothing bad about the place. But there's a level of Avera, which the people are so bad that the place becomes corrupted too. Like we know about Dara Mabul. The level of depravity of the nation of the Mabul was so intense Hashem had to destroy the ground as well as them. It has contaminated earth. And that's what Elisha and Navi is saying. Normally, people aren't that bad. You're going to war against an enemy, you can kill the enemy. You leave the place. But Elisha tells them, when you're going to fight Moab, you should know it's a Tomei place. Everything there has been ruined by the level of riches, of wickedness of the people. And therefore, when it comes to Moab, everything needs to be destroyed. Everything needs to be buried. And that's a level of, of evil which even goes beyond the person dying. Even if you're going to kill the people of Moab, the place is bad. It has to be destroyed as well. And that's what Rus says. In Yiddishkeit, there's a concept of even after a person's died, where they're going to be buried. Where are they going to be buried? Because the Russia remains a Russia even after they die. They have to get buried separately. 
That's the way Klai Yisrael looks at Tmoya. And then again, the question for Rus is, are you willing to change to become a Gyaris? Even if it's, at the, at, it's going to demand of you to look at your former country and your former nation as those Rishon. And Rus says, it's good for me to be a Jew. Even if it's Shameh Kaber. I would rather be buried as a Russian Klai Yisrael than as part of my. That's the first part. The commitment that Nomi wanted from Rus, that she's willing to change the middles we try embedded in my. She's willing to stand above and rise above the mistakes Moab have made and she's willing to change her perception of what Moab her home country to Moab as the enemy. And the Moab of Klai Yisrael is eventually going to wage war and destroy. But now I want to show you something phenomenal. There's another Chazal. It's a Midrash in Rus Rabbah. And I was talking about an incident which happens last night in the Megiddo. And what happened was Rus went down to the granary to try and hint to Boaz that he should marry her. Boaz understands. He promises to take care of it. Then he wants to send Rus home. So it says, He measured for six barley corns. Which strikes Chazal as being very strange. Boaz is a wealthy man. He has a granary full of grain. And all he can spare is six seeds of barley. And Chazal in the Midrash asks the question, Boaz is like a melech, because he melech, such a pittance, that's what we expect from a king. And therefore Chazal understand that it wasn't that he was trying to support her. He was trying to allude to something. And Chazal say that these six barley cones were a remez, were a hint to six tadikim, which would be her descendants. And the Midrash goes on to mention it. The first one is David HaMelech. Hizkiyahu HaMelech. Yeshiyahu HaMelech. Daniel. Then it calls Hananim, Mishal, Vazari, even the three people, one group, they went through the same experience. And Melech HaMashiach. There were many more great men along the line of Rus. There was a son Ivan, there was a grandson Yishai, there was Shlomo Melech. Why were these six singled out as the remnants for the six body corns that Boyaz gave her? And I want to suggest that these six tzaddikim were the reward for the six questions that Nami asked her before she accepted her as a garrison. And the six points about Moab that Rus had to overcome on her individual level to become a Gyaris, she was rewarded with six tzaddikim, six descendants, who were going to bring this lesson to the world. 
And let's go through them one by one. David HaMelech. The Gemara tells us that David HaMelech was the one who made the Takonis of Yichud. David HaMelech was the one who, after instance in his own family, understood the importance of such a halach and he enacted it in Kal Yisrael. And therefore, so to speak, the reward for Rus being willing to accept to change that inherent middah from which Moab was created, the Yichud of Lot with his daughters, she's not going to be Nechshal in Yichud. So she was Zechud to David HaMelech, who made that Takona for the whole Kaha Yisra. And the next, Chizkiyahu HaMelech. Now we have to see in perspective what Chizkiyahu's challenge in life was. We know that Chizkiyahu was the one who confronted the army of Sancherif. Sancherif, who as I always say, had the biggest army in world history. And just to put it into perspective, if you look in the recorded history books, of the biggest fighting force ever assembled, they'll tell you it was the Soviet counter-offensive against Nazi Germany. That by bringing people from the entire Soviet Union, the combined amount of soldiers in the Russian army spread along the entire eastern front of Europe comes to two and a half million people. To put that into perspective, the Gemara Sanhedrin, Sanhedrin tells us the size of Sisra's army, that he had 185,000 generals. And if even we're going to say each general was only a general over 15 people or 20 people, a very small uh, unit, we're already talking about a number of million people. Chizkiyo was going to face this entire force not scattered over a large large frontier, but they're all surrounding Yerushalayim. What did Chizkiyo do? The option was, should he try and run from Yerushalayim and surrender? Or should he stay put and fight? And it was a real challenge. The Gemara tells us that Chizkiyo had a general, his name was Shevna. And Shevna decided he's going to break ranks. He's going to run away from Yishalayim and surrender to Sancherif. Chizkiyahu was in the quandary if he should do the same or not. And the Navi Yashiyahu comes to him and the Navi says to him, remain here and don't go. Don't run. Stay where you are. And Chizkiyahu listens, and he remains in Yerushalayim. And the Torah tells him, I'm going to protect the city. And he destroyed Sancherif's army. This was a tikkun for the second point that Rus accepted on himself. We saw the weakness of Light. He was told by the Malach, remain in Tsayar. But he was afraid, and he ran. He ran to the mountains, and that set up the mistake of Moab. Rus accepts on himself, I'm not going to go out of my tchum. If the Torah tells me to remain somewhere, I'll remain. 
and she was zeichet to her son Chizkiyahu Amalech, who used this koyach to bring the tremendous nest that he brought. He didn't run; he remained. There was no time to stay, and he stayed. And as a result, there was a tremendous kiddush Hashem, which came from the downfall of Sancheir. Let's go to the next level. Chalani Mishal Vazaria, it's very straightforward. We know that Nebuchadnezzar's statue, he brought the entire world to bow down to. And the only ones who refused to kneel to Avodah Zarah were Chalani Mishal Vazaria. And not just did they achieve the fact that they managed to break the power of Nebuchadnezzar, but more than that. We know that Klayashal went into Goddess Babel for the Avedazara they served in Eretz Yisrael. And it was only when there were people who were willing to break that force of Avedazara that you could get free from the Goddess, from the bondage of Babel. That's what Hanania Mishal Vazariah achieved. They broke the authority of Avedazara. And that was a reward for us. When, no, when Nomi says to her, we know that it's also for us to serve you have to change your nature as a Bas Moyav, who were the people who were Master Klaishra and Avodah Zarah. And she was able to do that. She was like the descendants who broke the Koyach of Avodah Zarah over Klaishra. And then we have Daniel. And the story of Daniel is tremendous. He was the advisor of the king. And the king made a law that it's also to David. And nevertheless, Daniel defies the law and he comes, keeps diving it. And he's caught and he's thrown into the lion's den for that. And one can ask the question, davening might not even be a mitzvah deraisa. It's definitely not one of the three avarits that a person is to give up their life for. So why did Daniel continue to daven? And the answer is, this is brought in the Rambam as well, that when the guy make a gzera against any mitzvah, and it's specifically intended that Klaishal should break the mitzvah, called the Shah Shmad, then we have to be steadfast for everything. And here the whole point of the decree was to get Daniel to stop davening. Daniel understood I have to be most nefesh for this mitzvah too. He was in the tremendous nice of Daniel's salvation from the lion's cover. And that was also a reward for us. When Nomi told Rus, you should know that in the Torah, every mitzvah is important. Moyavs disqualified eternally because they didn't do chesed. Every mitzvah is important. You have to accept each one with that, with that sincerity. So she was zeichet to descendant Daniel, who brought the lesson to Klai Yisrael about how one can be most nefesh and get saved for every mitzvah. And eventually we come to the last stage. The first point, Nomi tells Rus, there's a concept of Misa. There's a concept of Misa's based in, which can happen if for Christ, if I don't keep the Torah. But so too you should know that what's going to happen to Moab is that they're going to get killed by Kaisra. And Rus says, I would rather die as part of Kaisra. And for that, she was zechah to her descendant, Yeshiyahu Amelech. Yeshiyahu, the Apostle tells us, was the king 
who affected the biggest tshuva in Klai Yisrael. He went on a campaign to bring Klai Yisrael back to Hashem. And he died tragically. The Egyptian army wanted to cross Eretz Yisrael. And Yeshia wouldn't let them. And as a result, when they went to battle, Bayera Amorim Bamelech Yeshia, and he was, he was shot with 300 spears, it says. 300 arrows. And Yeshayahu died with the Kiddush Hashem. Tzadik Hashem Kipiyo Marisi. That's the paragon of a person who died al Kiddush Hashem. And it made a Kiddush Hashem. The whole Klai Yisrael came to a certain tshuva. They saw if even the Tzadik like Yeshayahu get killed. So it brought Klai Yisrael that door to appreciation of the importance of keeping the pair. There's enough of a reason to push off the Chorban. That was the reward for us. She said, I'm willing to die as part of Klai Yisrael. She was willing to, she was to a descendant who was the one whose death caused the biggest Kedesh Hashem. And lastly, Nomi Talta, Vashomi Kavri. There's a concept of, of Rishos which even extends beyond death. A Rashi even has to get buried separately from everyone else. And Moyav are like that. And therefore, the end of Moyav is not just going to be that the people get killed, but that the country is going to get destroyed. It's a place which is that steeped in Tumul, the whole place has to get destroyed. And Rus's response, Vishami Kovar. I'm willing to die and be buried in that cemetery be part of Qa'i Yisra. And the source for that was to be the ancestress of Melech HaMashiach. Why? Because that's going to be the job of Mashiach. Not just the fact that he's going to go to war against the nations, but rather it's Mashiach's job to destroy all everything which is right in the world. And therefore, Rus's acceptance to distance herself from Moab as a source of what's right, as a source of what's bad, and as we said, as she said it, I'm, it's worth it for me to become part of Klai Yisrael even if it means being buried as a Russia there rather than remaining part of Moab, which are the Rashaim which are going to get destroyed. She was zeichet to her son who was going to complete that job of destroying the Rai in the world. And therefore the lesson of Rus, of the single Giyaris, who accepted the all of Hashem, joined the Jewish people, but we see the tremendous reward. That her descendants were the ones who brought the lessons or the various aspects which she had to work on herself to accept to a level which that became the way that the entire world, the entire Kal Yisrael, accepted those same points. One last idea. Right after Shavuos. 
all the Nasim brought Karbanas. And each Karban is, it says the name of the Nasi, and it says Karbanai, Karas, Kesav Achas, whatever it is. His Karban was the following. When it talks about the first Nasi, Yehuda, so it adds a verb. It talks about Nachshim and Minava, the Karbanai, and his Karban. And the Baratim wonders about this extra vav. And he says it's a remiss to the six tzaddikim who come from Yehuda. Who are these six tzaddikim? These are the same six tzaddikim he mentioned. This was already predicted. That the same six tzaddikim which would come from Shevet Yehuda are the same six tzaddikim which come from, from Rus. By becoming a Giyaris, at the time Ruth didn't realize that she wasn't just accepting the Malchus Shemaim on herself and becoming part of the Jewish people. But she was rather preparing herself to unite with Shevet Yehuda and become the ancestress and become the mother of all the Tzaddikim and of the land of Mashiach forever. <laughs>